because in insurance, risk selection is very important. You only want to insure the people that pass your underwriting guidelines. And then we realized that the consumer is actually okay with a little bit more friction if it means having a much better price. Welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted, the show dedicated to innovation in the insurance industry. Each episode, you'll get a dose of thought leadership from the industry's top business minds, influencers, innovators, and executive leaders. If you want to transform your corner of the industry and exchange innovative ideas, you need to subscribe to this podcast. Now here's your host, Abel Travis. Hey everyone, welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted podcast dedicated to insurance innovation. So, you know, there's not going to be an intro today. I really want to get to the discussion that we're having because it was so great and insightful. So before we jump in, I just want to recognize the sponsor of this episode of the podcast, and that's Vortex Legal. Innovation in the insurance field is exciting, and Vortex Legal is a unique and proven solution to help improve a company's loss ratio by substantially reducing legal expenses. Their nationwide network of local attorneys attend the voluminous and routine and predictable hearings for a flat rate, not an hourly rate. So Vortex Legal's solution works with both staff counsel offices as well as outside law firms. They've saved many carriers millions of dollars. So if you want to learn more, just contact Jonathan Broder at at 954-473-2648 or visit vortexlegal.com. So today I am speaking with Sebastian Villarreal, the co-founder and head of product at Kin Insurance, a company that uses data to make the application process as simple as possible and to recommend the right coverage for home. Hey, Sebastian, you know, it is truly a pleasure to have you here and to speak to you about what you all are doing at Kin. You know, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Pleasure is all mine. Hey, so, you know, Sebastian, you know, just to help us get to know and understand your background and where you come from. So if you don't mind, just tell us about yourself and, you know, your move from an online lending platform and leading that platform, LendSquare, um, you know, uh, which is a fintech organization into, you know, moving into the insurtech arena. Yeah. So I've actually spent, you know, most of my career being pretty, pretty mission driven and trying to get 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 consumers, uh, regular, regular people, uh, access to, uh, high quality financial products. I think that, uh, that is an area of, of the economy and of daily life, um, that is lacking for many people. Um, so I, I really started on, on the lending side. Uh, I did small business like crowdfunding for for small businesses and then I moved to then I moved to like installment personal loans uh, always with that idea that that access that financial inclusion is important and access to high quality financial products is can make a big difference in someone's life um, so I spent many years doing lending uh, and then while I was doing lending I just became extremely interested uh, in insurance and insurance as as a insurance as a product and insurance as a business um, and uh, thought about it a lot. Uh, the story is actually pretty similar with my other two uh, co-founders, Lucas and Sean, also you know fintech veterans. Uh, none of us actually had a lot of uh, super deep insurance experience. But they too knew a little bit more about insurance than I did. Um, but all of us had been you know spent many many years doing online fintech stuff. Uh, Sean on the payment side, Lucas on the fraud side. Um, and I think all of us sort of converged on insurance as this as this really interesting place to work. The thing that made it so interesting for me uh, individually is that um, insurance is is a social good. Uh, I think that 
access to insurance is important. Uh, the more insurance out there, the better, um, which is not necessarily true of other products. Like I said, I may I, I work many years in, in lending and credit, and I think that access to credit is, is very important and access to quality credit. But I don't think you can objectively say the more credit, the better, in the same way that you can say the more insurance, the better. Uh, so I really wanted to work in a space where, where I thought there was a, a big, big pain point for consumers. I think that people are not getting the insurance they deserve. Uh, I think that people uh, have too hard of a time getting insurance. Uh, I think that insurance is behind the times in meeting consumer expectations. Um, and, and to me, that's, you know, that, that's, those are the problems that I like to solve. Absolutely. So, so Sebastian, you know, uh, so just thinking about now where you came from, from the fintech, uh, the fintech space, um, and then into the insurance space, you all are, are really solving a, a unique problem under that mantra of social good, right? You know, so, so, you know, just, just talk a little bit about, um, Ken, you know, what's the value proposition? And then what does it mean for the customers that you serve, as well as what you're hoping to accomplish in the insurance industry? Yeah, I mean, so the, the problem that we solve is actually it's actually pretty simple, right? It's, it's we want to give people the best insurance possible at the lowest possible price in the most convenient way. Um, and that seems maybe a little a little glib, right? But it's actually, I think, a very real pain point. When you see the way that insurance is distributed today, um, it's super inconvenient, right? I mean, if you want to buy insurance, you have to talk to an agent who's works nine to five. Well, if you work a job where you can't be on your phone nine to five, Getting insurance and getting the right insurance is going to be pretty hard. Um, we think that insurance is too expensive, and we think that it's too expensive because the way in that, that that it is sold and the way that the that the insurance products are structured is inefficient. And those inefficiencies, you know, they trickle down to the consumer in the form of of increased prices. Uh, and we also think that people aren't getting the right insurance, and we think that they're not getting the right insurance. Because the people that are designing these insurance products, the people that are on the on the insurance product side of things, um, they are very divorced from the from 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 the people that are actually buying it. In the sense that you know, a customer uh, talks to an insurance agent, and there's a lot of information about the customer's house that maybe the agent doesn't know, or that the agent doesn't know to ask, or that the or that the customer doesn't know to communicate, um, and so they end up getting the wrong product. And so what we think is that. The, the answer to sort of all of these problems is 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 is, is a website like Kin is, is a process in which you come in and then we learn everything about your house. We know more about your house than you do. Uh, we have access to like all of the same data sources that like a traditional insurance carrier would, would, would have, but we also have access to a lot more. Uh, we pull in you know thousands of data points about your house, uh, some of them super cool and super new aerial imagery. Uh, that's like goes through like a machine learning algorithm that tells us how many roofs are on the property, how many how many how many different buildings do you have? Do you have a fence? Do you have a pool? Is your pool fenced? When was the last time that someone pulled permits on your roof? When was the last time that you pulled permits on your electrical? Um, we learn all of these things, and we can use those to immediately do two things: one, offer you a price, and two, offer you incredibly intelligent recommendations on the insurance coverage that you should have. Uh, and because we can do that, uh, then then we're giving people, you know, the right coverage, and then we're uh, we're, give, we're we're doing it in a way that's 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 super efficient and that's super trustworthy. Uh, there's no lying. There's uh, there's no people that are that you know. There, there's not this situation where like you know, there's no wink wink of hey, you know, you really shouldn't tell them that your roof is like 20 years old. Uh, uh, wink, right? Like that doesn't happen because 
we have aerial imagery of your roof and we know when it was taken and we know if your roof is in good condition or not. And that's that's very objective. Uh, we try to take a lot of the subjective out of insurance and just, you know, codify it in data and objective and and use that to help us give you the, the best possible coverage. So, Sebastian, you, you said quite a lot and I do want to um, unpack, uh, you know, quite a few of the things that, that you mentioned. So, you know, let, let's first start with the, the data points. So, you know, you mentioned you all are collecting, you know, thousands upon thousands of uh, of data points uh, in order to be able to provide the rate for the uh, coverage that the policyholder is looking for for their home. Um, so, so first, you know, I, I just want to I want to be clear. So, um, so your current product is focused on the homeowner space, um, and you know, with the data points, are you all leveraging some sort of technology like um, AI or machine learning, as well as you know, um, visual analytics to to really uh, synthesize all of that information that's coming in? To be able to provide that right price, you know, you know, how, how exactly are you making that happen in order to work towards the expectation of, of what the customer is hoping to get from you all? You know, that's so. Let me just say a, a, a quick thing: is we actually solve two problems. I mean, we're solving this problem for the consumer, and as a product person, that's how I like to frame things. You know, we help people get the right coverage, um, but we're also solving a very real insurance problem, which is that we think that the the quality of data. That, that, that insurers use, that carriers use, to make pricing and to make underwriting decisions is subpar. Um, and that's the, that, that's the insurance problem that we solve. Our goal is to provide a, a super bespoke underwriting process for a customer. So back to, your, back to your question, how does data help us do that? So what we do at Kin is we get all of these data sources. Some of them are traditional, you know, uh, the same same sources any any old carrier uses. Some of them are new. Um, and then what we do is we build this internal representation of what we think any individual risk, any individual house looks like. How old is the roof? And what quality, what quality is the roof? How old is the home? When was the last time that the electrical was updated? When is the last time that the plumbing was updated? In order to build that internal representation, we do some really cool stuff. We compare all the different data sources, see what, where they agree, where they disagree. We use our own algorithms that, that help us determine how trustworthy some data sources are. We know that some data sources are more accurate in some parts of the country than others. And we use that to build this internal uh, representation of, of, of any house that tells us what do we know for certain, what do we know with high certainty, what do we think we know, what do we have, what, what did... What, did, what, what other parts of data did we get an answer from one of these data sources that we don't trust at all? And so we use that, and then once we have that, that internal representation, that, that what does Kin really think this house is, um, then we pass that to our underwriting engine, and the thing that that spits out is, okay, what does this customer have to do in order to get insurance? Are we going to require an inspection? Are we going to require photographs? Are we going to require... Um, you know, verification of other parts of the property. And we think that by providing this bespoke underwriting process, then we can make sure that we're insuring the best customers and that and that that we're providing customers with the right price. So just just 
you know, taking the process into consideration, you know, I, I from what I'm hearing, it sounds like there's a lot of automation that has to go into that process in order to make it work well, right? You know, so so just just thinking about that um, from from a consumer's perspective, whether it's a, a smaller home, an apartment, or even a, a larger location in which someone is looking to provide coverage from, especially with with the changing customer expectations, there there's an expectation that the the, the speed to obtaining that coverage is, is going to be fairly quick. So, you know, just, just talk to me a little about, you know, how you all are using uh, data to enable that speed. Um, but then also, if you don't mind speaking some metrics around, you know, what, what's the average time for a customer to actually be able to bind a policy, given that you're leveraging all of these third party sources, you know, to help solve that problem of, of what that customer is hoping to do. But then also to, to your point, you know, um, solving the, the, the issue around the, the quality of data within the insurance space. That's actually something where our, our thinking has evolved. So when we started Can, you know, we've, we thought we're going to be able to sell insurance to anybody in 60 seconds. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's sort of how we started. And then we realized that that was just not true because an in insurance, uh, releasing home insurance, risk selection is very important. You only want to insure the people that pass your underwriting guidelines. Um, and, uh, and then we realized that, that um, the consumer um, is actually okay with a little bit more friction if it means having a much better price. Um, and uh, as long as the expectations of of what it is they have to do to get insurance and what are the underwriting rules that they have to pass as long as that is known up front and very transparent. Um, so we have some customers um, and it's some some percentage of the customers that go through our flow that we're okay with issuing them insurance 3 a.m. from their couch, don't have to talk to anybody. And those are customers that we love where all of the data that we got about their house is super trustworthy um, and they fall in a pretty narrow underwriting window that makes us very comfortable with writing them insurance and basically auto-approving their policy. That's actually, to us, the least, the least exciting part because it's very easy to sell insurance without, <laughs> without asking anything. Uh, uh, I think there's a lot of other insure techs out there that, 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 uh, that have that model where you just go to the website and you buy insurance. Um, to, to me, that's actually not that exciting. Um, to me, the exciting thing is, is, is what, what happens next, which is, all those other customers where we think that the data that we received is partially trustworthy. We think they're a good customer, but we don't know for sure. And then we have to make a determination of, okay, what do we need to get from this customer to make them so that we're comfortable uh, writing them a policy? Um, it can be as simple as like, hey, we just need an underwriter to take a look at your house, review this data. You don't have to provide anything. Just give us a couple hours. That does mean that if you do this at 3 a.m., you're not going to get an answer till tomorrow. But then, you know, it's 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 less than a day. Uh, and then there's another subset of customers where we do have to get some information. Maybe you have to send us some photographs, or maybe we have to ask you for, you know, your your a four point inspection, or we have to ask you for uh, the inspection you did when you bought your house, or something like that. Depends a lot on the market. Depends a lot on uh, whether there's been a cat event near you in the recent past. Um, it depends on a lot of things, and I think that's where that's where the that's where our technology really shines is is in being able to to create this this bespoke experience based on on the level of risk for for each individual home and it has to do with a home it has to do with the data it has to do with the weather events that have happened near you um, it has to do with a bunch of stuff and and it just keeps getting smarter every day 
But uh, as far as time, um, we, we, you know, our, our goal is to have about, you know, 15% of our customers um, uh, be able to buy insurance, you know, in minutes. Um, and then the vast majority of them be able to buy insurance within a day. Absolutely. So, so you know, so we, we talked a lot about the acquisition component of this, right? So, but when you look at the insurance spectrum or the coin, if you want to call it that, right, there's two sides, right? So there's the uh, the acquiring of customers, there's the, the servicing of customers during the acquisition process and over time. But then, of course, there's the, the claims component that goes along with that in the event of a claim. So, you know, you all have done, you know, such a, a great job innovating and you know figuring out a better way to provide for customer access to, to your policy but let, let's let's dig a little bit deeper now into the into the claims and you know just talk to me about how you all are, are, are leveraging technology and data or if you're leveraging technology and data in order to innovate on that side of the coin as well yeah um, so here I have to be super frank and super honest and it's when it comes to claims, we still rely very heavily on your traditional TPAs, uh, your traditional third-party claims administrators. Um, not because we don't we don't think we can handle claims. I think we could handle claims just fine, but it's because as a very new startup, um, most of our partners, you know, feel more comfortable if if our claims are handled by a TPA. The thing that we actually use technology for is first notice of loss. Um, what we what we did last year uh, with with Irma, um, the thing that we that we tested uh, with with Hurricane Irma was a relying very heavily on uh, uh, text messaging and on drones to get super fast information about our about our customers that were affected. So what we did uh, what we did last year is as soon as her, as as Hurricane Irma had ended. Um, we basically texted all of our customers uh, and we sent them a very simple text and it had two lines and it said, Hey, uh, this is Kin Insurance. How are you doing? Super simple. Um, so what happened is actually it was fascinating. So within two hours, we had heard back from more than half of our customers. Uh, they texted us back, the vast majority of which had had no problem, right? So we got a bunch of, Hey, thank you for checking. Everything's fine. Just a little scared, just a little rattled. Everything's fine. Um, we got a couple bunch of people that actually said like, "Hey, that's really nice that you checked in. I'm really happy I have kin." Um, the interesting part is all of the customers that didn't say that, right? Uh, what did we hear from them? We got a bunch of customers that said, "Hey, everything's fine, but my fence fell down, or you know, I got a little bit of damage, but nothing serious." We had another cu couple other customers that said, "Hey, my my roof blew off, like, or I have this giant leak, or like something's really bad." And then we also got some customers that said, I don't know, I'm not at home, you know, I left. Um, but what that allowed us to do was triage very, very fast. And so within a couple of hours, we, we knew for half of our customers, you know, what the level of damage was with, with, with some degree of accuracy. So what do we do immediately after? All of the customers that did have damage, we asked them to send us photographs. On their phone, just go to your yard, take photos, just take photos of anything that's safe, just don't climb on your roof. If you think there's something wrong with your roof, we'll send a drone to take some photos. So then we sent some drones for those places and got photos and video of the roof within a couple of days. So what that allowed us to do was triage all of our customers very fast. We knew who had damage. We knew who had serious damage, who had light damage, who had moderate damage. And then via text message, you know, just talk to the customer, explain their deductible, explain their coverage, explain if we thought that it made sense 
you know, for them to file a claim or not. Um, uh, this was in a, in a role sort of like as an agent. Um, uh, and like, what would they, what, what to expect from the claims process and just take that and use that to, to, to get that first notice of loss. It means that within a day, the first notice of loss had, uh, uh, drone footage of the roof, customer provided photos of their house, customer provided photos of their yard, a whole paper trail of text messages and communication, which just allowed the, the, the handling process to be so much smoother and so much faster uh, and also less less prone to fraud. Uh, the truth is that in, in, in whenever you, you you see fraud it's often ha it often happens a lot a lot after the the, the event. Uh, if you don't send an adjuster for a month, well maybe something else broke in the meantime. Uh, but by having this response happen like right away, within a couple hours of the end of the hurricane really minimizes the potential for fraud and really improves the customer experience because they feel like they're being taken care of. You know, so, so just thinking about that, and I, I can tell you, I haven't heard of an, an insurance organization that's done anything um, like that to date, especially as I uh, think about what the incumbents are doing. Um, now, I, I could also imagine, though, that that would be resource intensive. So, you know, just just really quickly, how, how did you all go about, you know, ensuring that you got in contact with those customers? Did you leverage technology to do a lot of the back and forth um, or you know was there really a person on the other side to do that because because from, from my perspective you know I, I see that technology can be leveraged fairly significantly to do just that and make it feel as if they're talking to another person you know so so I'm wondering you know is, is that how you all were able to do that with the customers within your portfolio you know the the answer there is SMS text messaging. Text messaging allowed us to be incredibly, uh, incredibly uh, efficient um, because it's, it's asynchronous. So we can have one person in a desk uh, sending text messages from, from their computer and talking to 15 or 20 customers at the same time and send a text message with, hey, how's everything? You know, get a reply a couple minutes later uh, that say, oh, you know, my fence fell down. Okay, can you send me some photos? Customer goes take some photos. While that is happening, this person is replying to five or six or seven other customers. Um, so using this, these asynchronous methods of communication um, was incredible. It, it, allowed our, it allowed our customer service agents to be extremely efficient because um, you could talk to a bunch of customers at the same time. Instead of whenever we got a phone call, all right, well, this, you know, this person is on hold. Uh, and then you're, you're talking to them, and while you're talking to them, you're not talking to anyone else. Um, so text messaging was key. The other thing that text messaging allowed us to do was to get in touch with a bunch of customers that didn't have internet, that maybe didn't even have um, have phone service. I mean, we're talking, you know, we're talking about uh, a, a hurricane catastrophe situation. People don't want to be on hold. You know, people people are worried about other stuff, but they can take five seconds to answer a text and then go about their day. Uh, so text messaging was absolutely key. I think I can category, categorically say that text messaging is the way to handle a cat situation from an insurance point of view. And that next time that we have cat, like cats, like, or, or a big cat situation, you know, it's gotta be text. If you're not texting, then you're doing a disservice to your customers because you're asking them to be on the phone when they shouldn't. You're asking them to be online when they don't have internet. Um, uh, text messaging is the medium for cat situations. Absolutely, you know. So just, just uh, you know, you guys are, you know, absolutely an organization that's 
focused on challenging the status quo and doing things differently um, for the insurance industry. Now, you know, just w- w- with this podcast, we talk a lot about innovation and, and you all embody innovation, you know. So uh, from your perspective, uh, Sebastian, you know, what are some of the things that customers face that you think others in the industry, either either carriers or other insure techs should address in order to make sure that they're aligning themselves with the uh, transforming and changing customer expectations. You know, there's a couple that I think that, honestly, I think I think incumbents can't address, and it's and it's very basic stuff. I I talked about it at the at the you know at the very beginning. Something as simple as as you know business hours. People people are busy. People have jobs. People have jobs where you get fired if you're on your phone, and you expect them to shop for insurance from nine to five. That's that's kind of ridiculous. You know, when do people want to buy insurance? On the weekend? After work? On Thanksgiving? You know, when people have time off, people work a lot. Um, I think you can only do that if you have a model like ours where you go direct, where you don't have, a, where you don't have retail, uh, retail storefronts. Um, to me, that's, that's a big one. Just this people expect to do things in a way that's convenient, in a way that's on their schedule. Like, if, if I had to buy airplane tickets from 9 to 5, I'd never go anywhere. <laughs> I'm a busy guy. I have to buy airplane tickets from my computer at 11 p.m. Um, uh, why is insurance any different? Uh, and that may be—I think that may be like a, a tough, a tough thing to hear for some people. But but in our experience, it's it's very true. Um, I think that's one. I think that customers uh, expect a lot more transparency. You know, I think that they want to understand why they're being charged, where they're being charged. Um, and I think that another thing that customers really expect that it's something that we've, we've piloted. It's not, you know, it's not part of any of our marketing. It's not part of, of, of our, of our value proposition is, is this idea that, that your insurance company, but it's actually something that we believe very, very, very deeply. Um, and that I think is, is, is going to be an increasing part of what we do is this idea that the insurance company, uh, should feel like they're on your side. Uh, we think that a lot of customers feel like their relationship with their insurance carrier is actually adversarial, that the carrier is there when something goes wrong and they're there when something goes wrong and they might say no. They're going to look at the small print. We think that the opportunity is for the insurance carrier to be there all the time, for us to find ways to make customers' homes safer, for us to find ways of saving our customers' money. We think that our incentives and the incentives of a homeowner are perfectly aligned in a way that they're not aligned for anyone else. Your bank doesn't really care if you have a burglar alarm. Your, uh, uh, yeah, your, your bank doesn't care. Who cares? Your insurance carrier cares. Your real estate agent doesn't really care if you have a burglar alarm, but we do. Your bank doesn't really care if your roof is new. We do. Um, and we think that that's a big opportunity to be, to be present in kind of a constant way in our customers' lives uh, by making their homes safer every single day uh, and using our distribution and using our technology um, to find devices and services uh, to, to give to our customers that, that make their life better. To be honest, I don't want customers to think of Kin as their home insurance provider. I want customers to think of Kin as, oh yeah, Kin is that company that takes care of my house for me and they also insure it. Of course they do, because they take care of my house. Um, I think that that's that's what we're driving for. We're not there yet, uh, but I think that's going to be the future. 
A- absolutely. So, um, so, so you know, just just to go back to to something that that you said, right? And and you know, I think you emphasized this really well. You know, it, it's to engage uh, with the customer um, in the way that they need to be engaged. And, and one of the things that I always say is that you know we have to meet the customer where they are. So to the point that you made, you know, if it's at you know eleven p.m. Um, at night, or if if it's uh, at at other times outside of hours that they're able to engage, sort of the same way that you mentioned that you want to buy a plane ticket. That's where we need to meet them. You know, if it's it, it can be any situation, right? Um, and, and the way to do that is through creating uh, capabilities uh, that you know allow the customers and allow uh, the organizations to engage in that in that specific way. So I, I got to tell you as a story. You know, I, I just uh, probably about a month or so ago, I, I was at a conference and and I was speaking with someone from an incumbent carrier, um, and, and what that person you know mentioned to me was the fact that digital didn't really matter to them. Um, you know, they knew that the customer um, expectations were transforming and, and, and were changing, but they felt that they were so big that, you know, they didn't really need to meet the customer at that specific point in time where they are as a company. Um, and, and to me, a part of that change is digital. You know, there, there are organizations like Google and Amazon that's, uh, that's changing customer expectations in the way that uh, customers are expecting to engage with those types of organizations, whether it's retail or technology, and that's bleeding into the insurance space. So, you know, if, if, if there was someone that, you know, had that narrative to you, what would you specifically tell them about why, um, you know, engaging with the customer, why a digital capability, why it's important to, to meet the customer um, based on their expectations? You know, um, there's, a, there's a, a Sun Tzu saying, it says, don't interrupt your enemy when he's making a mistake. Uh, so I tell them nothing. <laughs> if they want to be Blockbuster, that's on them. Uh, we're going to be Netflix. Uh, absolutely. You know, that's that's actually a, that, that's a great analogy to, to think about when, um, you know, engaging with them. And you're absolutely right. You know, just for those that the listeners that might not be aware of the, the Blockbuster Netflix um, uh, relationship, you know, Blockbuster uh, was uh, Netflix approached Blockbuster to purchase them for a, a paltry sum. Um, and Blockbuster said no. Right. And, and what's the name of the organization that we hear more of today? It's it's Netflix. Right. There's one Blockbuster remaining in Alaska. And, and, and I think that's the, the last space that I was reading recently. And that's it. So, you know, I think that's a that, that's a really great analogy. So. Um, so. So, hey, you know, um, if if you had to, to look at uh, what some of the things are um, in this in this industry, that's creating uh, the biggest challenge to, to really continue to innovate. You know, what, what are your thoughts around that? You know, what are some of the changes that's occurring that's creating challenges for you or for, let's say, others in this space uh, to, to innovate and to transform this industry? Yeah, um, I think that the biggest risk for us uh, is, is actually, um, uh, and we've seen this in other spaces, by the way, in sort of like our fintech careers. We've we've seen this pattern before. Uh, I think the biggest risk to us is other uh, insure techs being irresponsible and writing bad risks and having and having bad loss ratios, um, because um, that just makes everyone doubt the whole enterprise. Um, and and we don't we're not that way. We're we're extremely responsible. We're actually extremely conservative, uh, and and we think that you know. 
you have to innovate and you have to to improve the customer experience and you have to make things better. But at the end of the day, the insurance product that you sell has to perform from an insurance point of view. Um, uh, I think that's actually a really big risk is is some some other insure techs or some other uh, other tech startups that are playing in in the insurance space um, uh, selling, you know, writing, writing a lot of bad policies and sort of like uh, poisoning the well. Uh, so that's that's something that we're aware of. Uh, it's not something we can we can control. Uh, the the only thing we can do is to is to write responsible business um, and to innovate in a way where we're writing uh, better and better business every day, uh, and in a way where where the customer experience that we're building is is conducive to that. That's why I talk a lot about it's not just about having you know the easiest underwriting experience. It's about having the right underwriting experience and the bespoke underwriting experience. Um, to me, that's that's a big challenge. Um, the other thing that you know, insurance has a lot of smart people. I think that we, we I talked to a lot of very 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 smart people at at, at legacy carriers and very smart people at reinsurers, um, and uh, and I always hear the same thing. And it's people in my organization don't listen to me. Uh, and uh, I think that's a that's that's a big pattern that we see also. So you know, listen listen to listen to the people in your organization because they're they're very smart. Um, and I think everyone wants to do what's best for for insurance, and everyone wants to do what's best for their company, and everyone also wants to do what's best for the customer. I think sometimes we 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 just don't listen. We just don't listen enough. Absolutely, no. I, I would uh, I would absolutely agree with you on that. So um so so you know just uh, from a from a culture perspective. Uh, you know, who do you all look to for inspiration when it comes to building and maintaining a, custo- uh, a culture of innovation? We we ask ourselves this question all the time. We're like, Kin is the is like is like blank, but for insurance. And we try to come up with what blank is. Um, we have different different answers at different times. Uh, we'd like to be the Southwest Airlines of insurance. We'd like to be the Costco of insurance sometimes. Um, uh, that that's really how we see ourselves, right? Is is we're just we're just we're just simple. We're better. Uh, we're not doing something that's like insanely different. We're just taking the you know this experience that people hate and distilling it into something that makes it simple and easy and better um, and reduces a lot of the complexity. You know, we we don't want to charge baggage fees. You know, it's not it's like Southwest. Like bags fly free. It's insured. It's kin. You know. We don't we don't nickel and dime it. Uh, same sort of thing. Um, uh, I think that's that's like some of some of the companies that that inspire us a bit. A- absolutely, you know. So um, so you know, Sebastian. You know, one of the questions that that I always love to ask, right, just to get the perspective of those that are uh, that, that I'm speaking with, and, and also to make this tangible for the the people that are listening. You know, um, if, if there was a piece of advice that you, someone wanted to get from you about how to change the status quo within their own organizations, you know, what advice would you give them to be able to successfully do that? Well, I'm going to give you my bias here and I'm a product, I'm a product person. And so I always look at things from the point of view of the customer. Um, I think that uh, when you're in an industry long enough, you get a little bogged down in the jargon and in thinking about company goals and, and your business goals and and those are a little bit divorced from reality. You know, at the end of the day, uh, businesses and industries will succeed because they are delivering a product that their customers love. Um, so always, always, always 
the and I ask myself this question all the time when it comes to Ken. So what do our customers like about our product? What do they hate about our product? What do they, you know, what can we do better for our customer? I think that there's a lot of, of legacy carriers um, that will have a hard time with that question because I think that they don't know who their customer is. Um, I think that they don't really deal with their customer. They only deal with their customer when they're filing a claim. They're dealing with their agents. They're not really dealing with the uh, end consumer. So I don't think they really know. Um, so I guess that would be my advice is get closer to the customer and ask yourself, what does this customer really want? What are these customers' pain points? Um, and what is my customer not telling me? That's, that's the real question. Uh, what are they not telling me? Um, because the things that they're not telling you is the stuff that they're really angry about. Absolutely. You know, um, and, and just to, to, to talk about one of the points that you made in regards to understanding who the customer is. Now, now I know what, I'm, what I might say is somewhat controver- controversial, especially for uh, those in legacy organizations. And, and by the way, I, I myself um, am in a legacy organization. But, you know, I, I always look at the customer as the person or the organization at the end of the day, that's leveraging the product, that's using the product, um, and that's paying the bill. You know, who are we going to pay that claim to? That's our customer. That's the core customer. There are others that might be a conduit to getting there, but to really understand what those needs are, you have to have a direct channel and a, and a direct link to to that person that, that you're going to be paying the claims towards. So, so you know, that, that that's my belief from a customer perspective, and I know others have their own thought processes around that, but, but, that, but, but that's what I feel, you know. So, um, hey, Sebastian, you know, I, I just want to say thank you. You know, I think this was a really great discussion on this podcast. You know, if folks wanted to learn more about what you're doing or wanted to get in contact with you or someone on your team, you know, what's the best way for them to do that? Send me an email. Um... Sebastian at kin.com. S-E-B-A-S-T-I-A-N at kin.com. I'll answer all emails. Um, uh, Maybe it's presumptuous of me to think that they'll want to email me. But if you do, happy to answer. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, hey, Sebastian, once again, thank you. You know, I I truly appreciate it. And by the way, I I really enjoyed this discussion with you. Um, You know, just looking forward to, you know, just just continue to follow what you all are doing at Kin and um, you know, just watching the success that comes out of your organization. Uh, no, thank you. I, like I said, I, I, I clearly like to talk about this stuff. I probably talk a little bit too much, uh, but uh, it's always a pleasure to, to share what we're doing. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast. Now, if this is your first time listening to the show, I just ask that you hit that subscribe button so you'll get automatic access to the different episodes on a weekly basis. You know, I truly do hope that you enjoyed listening to my discussion with Sebastian here today and that you got a lot out of it. So, you know, I just want to say once again, thanks for listening and I will see you next week.